Well, good morning, everyone. Um, I'm Jeff, as Srikit said. Uh, if you've yet to meet me, I'm Jeff. Um, it's a pleasure to be back here at CCMA, and especially to be able to bring you God's word today. Um, to begin with, I want to wish all the fathers out there a happy Father's Day. Uh, thank you for being our fathers. Uh, may God bless you as you continue to be a father in your life to those around you. I also want to extend a happy Father's Day to all the fathers-to-be. Uh, you may not be fathers yet, but that is coming soon. And I'm sure you're excited and we're excited with you. And so we want to wish you a happy Father's Day as well. May God also bless you as you enter this new chapter of your life. And finally, I do want to acknowledge that for some, today can be a difficult day. For those who may have a strained relationship with their fathers, or whose fathers are not part of their lives. Um, as a church, as a community, we want to share with you in these difficult feelings and to support you as we can. So we pray that you may find comfort in this community, in those around you, in any potential spiritual fathers that you have, and most importantly, in your Heavenly Father. Uh, but before we begin, why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that we can celebrate fathers today, our fathers who have you as a guide as to how they care for their families. Our Lord, we thank you that we can come together as your people, as a community, to worship you and to hear from you, to hear the words you have to speak. Our Lord, will you open our hearts as we hear your voice and be willing to listen to it, to not just listen, but to allow it to transform our lives. So, Father, we pray for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Sharing is caring. It's a common phrase you may have heard. And I want to give you context for why I picked this as a title. So, I want you to imagine your favorite meal your absolute favorite dish, whether it's something homemade, a family recipe, or it's simply a dirty zinger box from KFC, or it's the most authentic margarita pizza you had in Italy, made by an 80-year-old pizza maker who inherited the business as a 17-year-old. Picture that dish. Now imagine if you were given the recipe for that dish. If it was entrusted to you, this favorite dish of yours, the way to make this dish, what would you do? I'm sure that at the very least, if it was possible, you would recreate it. You would make it for yourself. Maybe make it for yourself multiple times, that every time you had a craving, you could satisfy it. Or would you share it? Would you post it online, send it to your friends? Make a YouTube tutorial on how to make this dish. If you get this recipe, so should everyone else. Or maybe you're not quite ready to share it because you want to surprise people, because you want to cook it for them. You want to have people over and to flex your skills as you share your favorite dish. What would you do? For me personally, I would start by making it for others. I think good food is for sharing. I love being able to share dishes with people, to share anything delicious, the joy that you see on their faces as they come to realize just how tasty something is. I love that. And so to have a recipe for my favorite dish, it's almost like I have a responsibility to share. 
It's my duty. It comes with knowing how to make this dish. But it's not just a responsibility. I do want to share it. I enjoy sharing. But that's just me. Maybe you would choose to keep it a secret that you know how to perfectly replicate a Zinger burger. So today, I'll be continuing on this new series in Thessalonians that Kent started last week. And just to make sure that we're all on the same page, the books of 1 and 2 Thessalonians are two letters written by the Apostle Paul to a church in a Greek city called Thessalonica. This church in Thessalonica was started by Paul as, he, as part of his missionary journey. After Paul became a Christian, he traveled around the Mediterranean region telling everyone about Jesus. He proclaimed the gospel. He told them of how Jesus died on the cross for their sins so that they could be reconciled to God. They'd be free from sin. The message of the gospel is one of repentance, that all who would turn away and acknowledge Jesus as their Lord and Savior would receive salvation. And that's exactly what happened at Thessalonica. But not just there, but many cities. As Paul went around, people accepted the gospel he proclaimed. They became Christians. And so as we work our way through this letter of Thessalonians, it's important to remember that it is a letter. It's a letter between Paul and people that knew him. There was an established relationship between the two. They were people who became Christians because of Paul. And that existing relationship is what is the basis of a lot of this letter, especially our passage today. Let me read out verses 1 to 6 again. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We have previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority. As Paul calls to mind the time he spent with the Thessalonians, he gives us a bit of insight. Firstly, despite strong opposition, he still brought the gospel. He brought it to the Thessalonians. They were, treated, they were previously treated badly in Philippi, but that did not stop them. As Paul says in verse 3, they did it without, it was not with error or impure motives. If they brought the gospel out of error or impure motives, the opposition would have stopped them. Nor was he trying to trick the Thessalonians with this message. In fact, Paul says this with such confidence because he has a clear conscience about how he acted. In verses 4 to 6, Paul says that they spoke as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. And as Paul brought the gospel, he didn't use flattery. He didn't use a mask to cover up greed. He, don't, he did not come for personal gain. Nor was he looking for praise from people. He wasn't looking to impress the Thessalonians. Actually, he was looking to please God. That's what he admits in verse 4. 
Now, hearing this, you might think, oh, well, of course, that's Paul. It's the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament. Of course he can do that. He had a personal encounter with Jesus. He's way more Christ-like than me. But I want, to be, I, want to, I want us to be reminded that Paul was still human, just like us. In Romans chapter 7, verse 15, he says, I, do, I, Paul, do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Paul also struggled with the things that we struggle with. And so for him to bring the gospel to the Thessalonians with such pure motives, it was possible, it was possible for him despite his struggles. And so it is the same with us. I think if we were to dismiss it as a Paul thing, that it's the Apostle Paul who is on a different level to us. He's more spiritual, he's more Christ-like than I could ever be. That's Paul, but not me. That's almost an excuse. Yes, Paul was an apostle, but he was still a disciple of Christ. A disciple of Christ like us. And all disciples of Christ have been entrusted with the gospel. That's what Jesus, that's what's written in Matthew 28 when Jesus gives the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Being entrusted with the gospel was not just Paul, but for every Christian. And so, that's the first thing I want us to think about. As a disciple of Christ, we too have been entrusted with the gospel. But what does it mean that God has entrusted you with the gospel? I thought about this a lot, and that's why I started by talking about a recipe. I think receiving a recipe is a, is a great image for being entrusted with something. Especially if it's your favorite recipe. It might be something highly sought after. If it's a well-kept secret of a homemade recipe, a family recipe, I wouldn't blame you if you wanted to hide it away, to not share it that it'd be leaked with others. But a recipe, I think, is for sharing. There is great joy in having others be able to enjoy a meal with you. The gospel is good for you. It provides you salvation. It provides you reconciled relationship with God but it is also something to be shared. And to be entrusted with something means there is trust. The word entrusted has the word trust. God trusts us. That's part of him entrusting us with the gospel. And trust comes from a place of relationship. There is a personal relationship between God and us. That's why there is trust. And so for us to be sharing the gospel as people entrusted with the gospel, it's not just a duty. It's not just a task you have to complete as a Christian. It's something that comes out of relationship. It comes out of trust. It's our hope that even that starts a new way of thinking about sharing the gospel. That it's not just something you do as a Christian, something you tick off but it's something that comes out of a relationship. It comes out of trust. 
You've been entrusted with this. It's almost like a valuable item, something precious that you've been given. Now you get to do something with it. The other thing we can be encouraged by as we look at Paul is his motives. He made it clear to the Thessalonians, he made it clear that he didn't share the gospel to the Thessalonians to build up his own image. He wasn't trying to impress them or anyone else. He wasn't trying to deceive them to build up his own image. Paul's focus was on pleasing God. And as he pleased God, he would do that by doing the thing he was entrusted. In our context today, I think it's safe to say that the majority of us don't get fame or prestige or recognition from sharing the gospel. It's a good thing to do, it's something to be celebrated, but that's not how we build our fame. Maybe if you're a pastor or a preacher, um, there will be some recognition uh, as you share the gospel. But for the majority of us, that's not the case. However, I still think it's worth examining why we do what we do. Not just sharing the gospel, but why we live the way we live as Christians. I think there is a real danger of wanting to build an image of a good Christian. To seek praise for being a faithful Christian. Or even if it's not going that far, living a particular way because there's an expectation. Because you think Christians should act a particular way. And you think that everyone wants to see you act that way as well. But not because your heart's in it. Are you serving in church just because everyone else serves? Are you serving because you feel obligated? You don't want to be seen as someone who just rocks up and leaves and doesn't contribute. Do you participate in worship and sing along to the songs because everyone else does it? You don't want to be seen as someone who doesn't worship God. When really, as you sing along, your heart and your mind are elsewhere. You have no idea about the words that you are singing. Is that the way you are in church? Do you pray before you eat because it's what you were taught? Because that's what you've done all your life. It's a habit. Do you recite a prayer that's like a tape recorder? That you could say it any day of the week, anytime, even while asleep. Are you truly thanking God for the meal in front of you? There are so many more things we could touch on. But the point is, why do you do what you do? What is your motive? And don't get me wrong, elders, leaders, I'm not telling people to stop doing Christian things and to stop being faithful. I'm not telling you to stop serving in your ministries, to not attend monthly prayer meeting. But I am saying, examine your heart. Examine your motives. Why are you doing what you do? Is it to please God? To worship him with your life? Or is it about others? How others see you? How you come across as a Christian to everyone else? Paul came to the Thessalonians with pure motives. He came not to please them, not to seek their approval, but to please God. What are your motives? As we move on to the next part of our passage, I want to ask everyone a question. 
Raise your hand if you have had the pleasure of doing a group project as part of your studies. For those who have raised their hands, keep your hand raised if you've had someone that has not pulled their weight as part of the group. For everyone whose hands are still up, I'm sorry that you've had this experience. Um, I've heard all about the frustrations of having someone not pull their weight. Uh, not to brag, but that was not my experience when I did civil engineering at uni. I always had great group members, they all pulled their weight. Or I was the one that wasn't pulling my weight. No, um, I'm fairly sure that wasn't me. Uh, I always did my work, I did it on time. And as far as I know, nobody had to redo my work, so I think I'm safe. Uh, but if anything, I was often paired with people way more competent than I was. Uh, and because of that, I felt like I was dead weight, despite doing the work I needed to do. Um, and to sort of make up for it, I always offered to write the report at the end. I knew that I had limitations in the engineering aspect, so I offered to do the other side that I was maybe better at. Uh, I bring this up because when Paul was with the Thessalonians, he wasn't a burden. Let me read out the second half of verse 7 until verse 12. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order to not be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. I really like what Paul writes in verse 8. Because he loved the Thessalonians so much, he delighted to share with them not only the gospel, but his life as well. His love and his care for the Thessalonians led to a sharing. That's why I titled the message, Sharing is Caring. Not only did Paul share the gospel with them, but he shared his life. And the way he shared his life was by toiling and working hard, day and night, so he wouldn't be a burden to anyone at Thessalonica. Not only was Paul's motives pure when he shared the gospel, but his conduct when he was with them was holy, righteous, and blameless. It's how he himself describes his conduct in verse 10. I would go as far as to say that part of how he shared, his go shared the gospel with them was by sharing his life, by not being a burden, by working hard. And even after that, even after sharing the gospel and his life, Paul lovingly cared for the Thessalonians. He encouraged them, he comforted them, he urged them to live lives worthy of God. The sharing of the gospel went hand in hand with the sharing of his life. And so I want to spend the rest of our time thinking about uh, the fact that Paul shared his life with the Thessalonians. I think this is something else we can learn from Paul. He didn't just share the gospel by telling them about Jesus and leaving. 
he shared his life with them. He stayed with them. He lived his life in a way that reflected what he preached. He walked the talk. And so do we walk the talk? Do we live a life that reflects what we preach? Do we share our lives as we share the gospel? And I really want to stress this sharing of your life along with sharing the gospel. Firstly, I hope it's not new information that we walk the talk, that we want to live lives that reflect us being Christians. But I want to consider what it means to take that a step further, to learn from what Paul did in sharing his life. I do believe that sharing in our lives plays a major part in both sharing the gospel and building community. Paul's time with the Thessalonians was not just bringing the gospel, but he was growing the faith and the spiritual lives of the Thessalonians. It's the sharing of life that makes it so much easier to see the, God, see the love that God has for us. The love that led Christ to die on the cross for us. The sharing of our lives comes from a place of love and care. Whether it's to those who have yet to receive the gospel or it's to fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Either way, it's important for us to be sharing our lives. So, what would it look like to not just share the gospel, but to share your life? Would it look like opening your homes and extending hospitality to those around you? Would it look like inviting people over for meals, for board games, for movies, or just to hang out? Would it look like inviting people to join you on a run on a Saturday morning, to live through the shared experience of pain of exercise, but to finish it off with a nice cup of coffee? Would it look like putting your hand up to help someone out in need? Whether it's to help them move houses, to give them a lift, to pick up groceries for them, or to cook a, to, or to cook a meal for them? What would it look like to share your life as well as the gospel? It looks different for all of us, but what would it look like for you personally? And I want to add that this sharing of your life isn't just about doing things with people. While at first glance, it may look like that, just hanging out with people, sharing meals with them, doing things with people. But remember, Paul described his behavior as holy, righteous, and blameless. The lives that we share should be pleasing to God. And as he spent time with the Thessalonians, he encouraged them, he comforted them, he urged them to live lives worthy of God. And so as we share our lives with others, are our lives holy, righteous, and blameless? Do our lives comfort, encourage, and urge others to grow in their relationship with God? That's the way in which we share our lives. That's how we share our lives as we share the gospel. And ultimately, we do it all because we love and we care for those around us. That's the motivation. That's the pure motive. Because as you share your life out of love, as you share your life out of care for others, as you open up a life that is pleasing to God, 
it opens up, it opens up opportunities to share the gospel. And if you've already been sharing the gospel, then your life is a testimony to that. It reflects the message you're sharing. You are walking the talk. So as you go into this week, I want you to consider how can you share the gospel and how can you share your life to someone you care about? I want you to actually take a minute now to have a think. Who can you share, your, who can you share the gospel with and who can you share your life with? How will you do that? Legitimately, take a minute right now to think about that. Hopefully you've had a bit of a think, uh, but if, there was, if that wasn't enough time, you have the rest of the day to keep thinking about it. Well, we've spent some time looking at Paul, how Paul did his ministry with the, Thessal with, the with the Thessalonians at Thessalonica. That was our passage today. We saw that as he came to them, he brought them the gospel as one approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. And as he, as he shared the gospel with them, he did it with pure motives. He did not try and please people, but he desired to please God. And along with sharing the gospel, Paul also shared his life with the Thessalonians. He loved and he cared for them. And so he shared his life, a life that was holy, righteous, and blameless. One that would go hand in hand with the very gospel that he was entrusted with the gospel that he was sharing with them. And while this was all a description of what Paul did, it's not just limited to Paul. We too, we can and we should be striving to learn from what Paul has done. We should be striving to share the gospel with pure motives, to live our lives desiring to please God, not people. And as we share the gospel, as we live our lives, our lives should be shared too. Lives that ultimately please God. Lives that bring people closer to God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the way in which we can see how Paul lived his life. The way that he brought the gospel to Thessalonica. The way that he was pure in his motives as he shared the gospel you entrusted to him. And that as he did that, he also shared his life, a life that pointed the Thessalonians to you. And that in this letter, he can point back to that time. It can be an example to not just the Thessalonians, but to us today. Lord, humble us and help us to examine our hearts, to examine our motives as we live our lives, as we go about trying to be faithful to you, but also as we share the gospel with others. Also speak to us, point us to the person that, we are to share the gospel and our lives with. Don't just point us to that person, but to show us exactly how we can do that. 
that as we share our lives, the gospel will be shared too, and that more and more people will come to know you. Father, help us as we do this. We pray for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.